All right. Well, thank God for our children and for that cute, very cute skit. I have, well, hello. How are you? She's waiting for the, she didn't get to come up here for the prayer. She's got to be prayed for. Thank you for coming. <laughs> hey, aren't children great? <laughs> Just give her a hand. <laughs> Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series, The Thrill of Hope. Today's message is titled, Hope Deferred. This is week two of The Thrill of Hope. And this is a series on hope and, and how we can rediscover the hope that we need this Christmas. Christmas is about hope because Christmas is about Jesus and only in Jesus do we have hope. Now the idea of, of hope, of finding hope in Christmas comes right out of the Bible, comes straight from the Christmas story in the Bible, including the various prophecies from the Old Testament concerning the birth of Jesus that were fulfilled in the New Testament when he was, he was born. So the, the whole idea of hope comes in the Bible. But the title of this series, The Thrill of Hope, comes from a Christmas song uh, called O Holy Night. And uh, we can put up the, the lyrics to, to this part of the song that says, The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And so hope is about a, a longing, a desire, a trust that we have that things are going to turn around. And it's in the middle of, of weariness, in the middle of a weary world, in the middle of desperation. We have hope that things will turn around, that yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And that can be thrilling. It should be thrilling when our hope is well placed, especially when it's placed in Jesus. So I've been praying that we can all rediscover hope this Christmas because we know this. Many of the negative emotions that we all go through in life are enhanced during this time of year. We deal with a lot of negative emotions throughout the year. You might, you know, might deal with, with depression. You might deal with despair. You might deal with seasons, and, and, uh, seasons of, of doubt. But it seems like during Christmas, those emotions are enhanced. They become worse. We feel them more deeply. And I'd love for us to turn that around and instead of, of allowing those negative things to be enhanced in our lives, I'd love for us to enhance the positive things, enhance the hope, enhance the joy and the, the peace, the good things that we, that we experience throughout the year. During this time, let's enhance them. Let's build on them. So when the new year starts, we can build on hope we can start the new year on hope. And you know, every new year is exciting because uh, a new year is just by, by its nature gives us hope. Okay, this is going to be a good year. Like a, a football team, a new season. It's going to be a good season. A basketball team, a baseball, whatever. A new school year. It's going to be a good school year. It's going to be the best school year because the beginning always gives us hope. So in order for us to start 2018 with hope, let's build on it right now. Let's, let's discover hope in Christ, and it's built on that. And this is really why I wanted to do this series on hope. Now, as we, as we look at that first Christmas, we learn that many of the characters of, of the story, many of the characters in the story, built their lives on hope, especially the older ones. And there's some other 
Christmas characters that maybe we're, we're not too familiar with. We don't talk about them too much. We know, like the children showed us a while ago, Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds. And we're familiar with those characters. But there are many other characters in the story. And, and some of these were older characters. In fact, the Bible just outright calls some of these very old. Some of these characters are very old. And, and so uh, we have people like uh, Simeon. Simeon was, a, was an old man. And what we know about him is that he was... He was righteous, he was devout, and uh, he was waiting, the Bible says, for the consolation of Israel. And God let him know that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. So he was waiting, he had this hope. See the, see the hope in his life. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And so when Jesus was eight days old, they took him to the temple, and he saw Jesus there, and he took him in his arms, and he, he, he dedicated him to the Lord. He, he prayed, he, uh, he blessed him. He prophesied over him. But that was Simeon, whose life was built on hope because he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We also have a, a prophetess named Anna. And the Bible calls her a prophet, actually, named Anna. And th- she's the one that the Bible says was very old. So I, that's just the way she was described. She was very old. And she was also very uh, devout, very righteous uh, person. And she lived at the temple. I mean, she, she was there and she prayed and she fasted and, and she worshiped. And so she saw Jesus when, when Jesus uh, was taken to the temple. She saw him. And the Bible says that she spoke to everyone. She spoke to everyone who was uh, about Jesus, everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. See, there's that hope again. Everyone who was looking forward to the redemption, redemption of Jerusalem, she told them about Jesus, how she had seen Jesus, and she believed him to be the Messiah. And so these were some uh, characters that maybe aren't too familiar to us, but they're part of the Christmas story, and their lives are built on hope. And then there was a, a man named Zechariah, and that's who we're going to talk about today. A man named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And they were also old. They were also elderly. As Zechariah says, well along in years, he says that about his wife. She's well along in years, and he says, and I'm, I'm very old. But we're going to see how their lives are also built on hope. So we're going to read this passage of Scripture. Let me encourage you to follow along in your Bibles from the book of Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. Luke 1, 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Right, so both of them were from a line of priests. They were both preacher's kids, you might say. They were both PKs. Now, verse 6 says, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. There it is again. They were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. All right, so there were, there were four, uh, I'm sorry, there were 24 divisions of priests. And I believe at this time there were only four that were active. And so he belonged, Zechariah belonged to a division, the division of Abijah. And uh, it, 
It was his turn, and this might only happen to him once or twice in a lifetime. It was his turn to actually go into the temple and to burn the incense. And the incense, of course, represented the prayers of the people. There were several priests. They all took turns, and some priests would go in, and actually they, their job was to go in to clean. Others would do other th things. His turn came to go in and to burn the incense. And th that's what's going on. He went in to burn the incense. At the same time, there's a group of worshipers that are praying outside. Verse 11, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Notice that phrase. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man. And then he's going to get real diplomatic. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, if you don't know the connection between this story and the Christmas story, Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife Elizabeth, was related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so it turns out that the same angel who appeared to Zechariah to tell him that Elizabeth, his wife, would have a baby, his name would be John, and we know him now as John the Baptist. That same angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she was pregnant with a child by the Holy Spirit, and his name would be called Jesus. And so Mary and Elizabeth were related. They were cousins, and that, that makes Jesus and John the Baptist cousins as well. So that's where the connection comes in. But what we find here is that for, for many years, in fact, for generations, many uh, people... Many Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah. But most of those people that were waiting for the Messiah, because they waited so long for the Messiah to appear, they were uh, waiting on a promise to be fulfilled that had been given 2,000 years earlier. And so because they waited and they waited, they had their hope in this Messiah and this Messiah wasn't coming then many of those Jews gave up on God. They gave up their faith. And there remained really only a handful, a remnant of Jewish people who continued to wait every single day for the Messiah. This is a small handful. This is a remnant that lived their lives in obedience to God. These are people that prayed every day. They worshipped every day. They offered their sacrifices to God. They, they, some of them fasted like Anna, this 
a woman I told you about, this prophet who the Bible says fasted and worshiped God every day. And so there's this remnant of people who were waiting, who were praying, who were hoping, who were believing, and yet nothing happened. The Messiah wouldn't come. They were hoping in a 2,000-year-old promise, and it still hadn't come to pass. In fact, for 400 years, for the previous 400 years from, from this event that we just read about, God wasn't even speaking through his prophets like he had in the Old Testament. So there was silence from God. It's like God was hiding from them. And yet these people, this remnant, was still waiting, still hoping to see the coming of the Messiah. But sadly, most of those people, most of that remnant died without seeing the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah. So I guess we, we could say that it's understandable that the larger group of Jews, the many Jews that I told you about earlier that started believing, I guess we could say it's understandable. They gave up hope. They abandoned their faith and they started following other beliefs or, or no beliefs at all. Maybe it was because they saw this promise of the coming of the Messiah after a while of waiting and praying and hoping and he didn't show up. Maybe they came to the point where they, they saw that as simply a myth. And they thought, I don't need a myth for my life. I don't need a, a myth as a crutch, a religious myth as a crutch for my life. And so they gave up the faith. Or maybe they, they just became bitter because they felt that God had forgotten them. Maybe they felt that God had abandoned them. Whatever the case, many, many Jews left their faith and they left God. Now this is what happens when we have hope that isn't fulfilled. When we have a longing, a desire, something we put our trust in, and we believe that and is not fulfilled, then it can cause us to doubt. Maybe even feel tempted to give up. In fact, the writer of Proverbs, in Proverbs thirteen twelve, wrote this, Hope deferred, that is, hope delayed, hope deferred, makes the heart sick. How many of you know that's true? When you're trusting in something and it doesn't come to pass and you say, okay, I'll wait, and it doesn't come to pass and you're praying, you're asking God and, and your hopes, from time to time, your hopes are raised, but then it doesn't come to pass. Then Proverbs says, that makes the heart sick, doesn't it? Yeah, that makes the heart sick. I like the Spanish translation of this verse. The Spanish says this, uh, La esperanza que se demora es tormento al corazón. What that means is that hope deferred is torture to the heart. It's torture to trust and to believe and to hope and for the thing you're hoping for not to come to pass. And so the Jews were heart sick. They felt like they were being tortured. They were heartbroken. And that's what happens when hope is deferred. And like I said, we, we've been there. We've been there as adults. If you've lived life for any number of years, then you've been there to where you, you pray to God and, and you feel like God's going to answer your prayer and, and, and you're trusting God and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're hoping and you're praying and you're fasting and you're praying and you're expecting and you're hoping and nothing happens. It breaks our hearts. We think, what's going on, God? 
Have you forgotten me? And some people leave God. Some people have left the faith because they didn't get their prayers answered. They've forgotten about God. And they say, well, I just I don't need religion anymore. I don't. It's just a crutch. I don't even know if God exists anymore. And so because their hope has been deferred, they leave God. So many Jews did that, but there was still that remnant. Remember that remnant that refused to give up. They still believed. They still hoped. They still waited. They still prayed. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were part of that remnant. Zechariah and Elizabeth were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting. They were hoping. They were praying. Just like Simeon. Just like Anna and others. Other Jews. They were trusting. They were believing. They were hoping. They didn't lose their hope. Their hope was deferred. But their faith was strong. Their, their hope was delayed. But their faith in God remained. Now the question that I want to answer today because I think this is relevant for us, is how did they maintain hope in a very difficult situation? How did they keep from giving up? How did they keep from getting angry at God and becoming bitter? How did they maintain their hope in very difficult circumstances? Well, it's a, I think that's a good question. It's a relevant question because we face the same, temp, same temptation that I'm sure they faced at one time or another to give up hope. We face the temptation to give up hope, to abandon our faith when our hope is deferred, when the things we believe and the things we pray for, the things we hope for, don't come to pass. Because occasionally, God is silent. Occasionally, God seems to hide His face from us. And what do we do then? How do we face life? What do we do when hope is deferred? And here's what we learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth on what to do when hope is deferred. First of all, we, we find in this passage that when hope is deferred, obey God faithfully. When hope is deferred, obey God faithfully. Verse 6 says that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were righteous in God's eyes, not just in man's eyes, not just in people's perspective but in God's eyes and we know that God's standard is much higher right and so in God's eyes they were righteous they observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly and when I first read that as I prepared for this I thought okay that's that's got to be the use of of hyperbole when uh, when Luke says they observed all the Lord's commands but then he says blamelessly. So it's like he's like piling on. Like First he says they were righteous in God's eyes. They observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And uh, I, I started to think, well, maybe it's not hyperbole. Maybe they, not that they were perfect, but they really were serious about just staying faithful to God. So the answer is not coming. I'm going to stay faithful. So hope is deferred. And yes, it, it, it sickens me. It torments me. It tortures me. But I'm going to stay faithful to God. You know, I, I think this tells us if you were to send a private investigator to follow Zechariah and Elizabeth around, they wouldn't find anything to report on. They wouldn't be able to dig up anything because there's nothing to dig up. They were serious about serving God and just remaining faithful to him. They were consistent in obeying God, even if things were hard. And we and we see that things 
were definitely hard in their lives. Because verse 7 tells us that they were childless. Because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And there's a reminder. And they were both very old. Now being childless was in that culture was considered a curse. Not to be able to have children was considered a curse. And, and it was believed that when people couldn't have children is because God had cursed them because they did something wrong. That's the way people thought. And so they felt disgraced. We know that from Elizabeth's words later in this, in this chapter. They, they felt disgraced. And, and yet they were faithful. You know, it's like, I'd like to, to ask them, how did you do this? How did you stay faithful to God when you couldn't even have any children? It's like, okay, how is your faithfulness to God working out for you? Not very good, right? Somebody, you know, some bitter person, some skeptic might say to them, so you're serving God, big deal. A lot of good that's doing you. You can't even have any children. And yet they remained faithful. People might have talked about them behind their backs because like I said, it was considered to be a curse. But every day, Zechariah and Elizabeth would get up and would go about their day in obedience to God, would go to the temple and worship. They'd fulfill their duties in obedience to God, no matter how hard life got for them. And they teach us today that that's what you do when hope is deferred. When hope is deferred, you obey God. You don't give up on God. You don't give up your faith. You just continue to do what you know is right. You just take it one day at a time. It's a cliche. We, we think it's not important. But you know what? You take it one day at a time. You just serve God. Get up the next morning. You serve God. Get up the next morning. You're still praying. You're still hoping. You're still expecting God to move. But you get up and you just serve God one day at a time. You don't make excuses. You don't blame God. You don't follow other paths and other beliefs. You just remain faithful to God. So two weeks ago today, I was uh, in San Antonio and I ran a half marathon. And I was doing great. I, I had a, a time that I wanted to beat. I had a goal. And uh, I kept looking at my watch and thinking, okay, I'm, I think I'm doing okay. And uh, in, in fact, when I got to mile 10, uh, I thought, okay, I got a 5K from here. I'm going to pick it up. That was my plan all along. I'm going to pick it up a little bit, and, and I'll be able to beat my time. But mile 11 got me. We started going up a little hill. Oh, just, and, and for a while, they're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it. What do you do when you're running, and you still got two more miles to go, and you think, I don't know if I have the strength to, to make it anymore. You just... Take one step at a time. I kept thinking, okay, I just keep going. I thought, forget the goal. I didn't meet my goal. But forget the goal. I just want to finish. You just move one step at a time. A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time until you get to the end. And that's the way I see this. When hope is deferred, you just obey God faithfully one step at a time. And you might be going up a hill and it's hard. You just keep going one step at a time because that's what we learned from Zechariah and Elizabeth. Secondly, what we learn from this couple, this uh, devout couple, is that when hope is deferred, pray to God fervently. When hope is deferred, pray to God fervently. Let's read this in verse 8. So once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord 
and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared with him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Now, first of all, before I get to, to my point on prayer, why is it that when angels appeared in, in the Bible, when they appeared to someone, they always said, don't be afraid, fear not. Because an appearance of an angel was very terrifying. It was very terrifying. It's not like the modern stories that we hear and we read about and we see in movies of the appearances of angels. In Bible times, the appearances of angels were, was a very terrifying thing. Nowadays, you see a movie. In fact, uh, last week, I think, uh, I, I teased my wife about watching Hallmark movies as I sit there and watch them with her. <laughs> but Because uh, I tell her, I said, you know what? These movies are all alike. I know it's going to happen. A girl's going to move down from New York City to some mid, uh, Midwest small town because her parents left her a farm or something and she's mad about being there or she got sent to do an assignment and so she doesn't want to be there and she wants to go back to the big city but then she meets someone, right? She's going to meet a guy. Oh, but the guy already has a girlfriend but she's terrible, right? She, she manipulates him. You know what's going to happen, right? They're going to fall in love. At the end of the movie, the, this girl and the guy end up getting together and uh, she, then she says, the guy says, what are you going to do? You have to go back. She says, no, I don't want to go back there anymore. I'm going to stay here. This is my place. And then I tell my wife, at the end, it snows, right? Last, last, oh, and it starts snowing. Oh, we get a white Christmas. You know, so they're all, they're all the same. Well, we're watching, uh, we didn't get into it, but started watching a, a movie about a town that had lost its Christmas spirit. And so God sent an angel to this town because they had lost their Christmas spirit. Not to tell them about Jesus, not to call them back to God, but to try to rediscover their Christmas spirit. So this, this is a young girl. The angel says, young girl. And she arrives in the town and she introduces herself to people. And her name is Gabby. Gabby Messenger. The word angel means messenger. So Gabby Messenger is, you got it, Gabriel the angel. So I thought, no, this is not biblical because... When an angel appears, it's a terrifying sight. It's not Gabby or some other angel, but it's a terrifying sight. So that's what happened here. That's what happened here. The Bible says in verse 12 that Zechariah was gripped with fear. He was gripped with fear, and the angel told him, do not be afraid. Now what's happening here is that Zechariah was burning incense, and the incense symbolizes, or it symbolized the prayers of the people, well, at the same time, the people were praying outside. So there's incense symbolizing the prayers of the people. There are people outside gathered to pray. And then the angel's words to Zechariah were these. The angel said, your prayer has been heard. So there's a lot of praying going on here. Zechariah and his wife had been praying. That's what the angel said. Your prayer has been heard. They prayed. They prayed daily. They prayed fervently. Your prayer has been heard. Now we can't stop praying just because hope is deferred. Just because we don't get the answer to our prayer at the time that we want the answer doesn't mean that we have to stop praying. We've got to continue to pray. In fact, Gabriel, the angel, told in verse 20, we read that he told 
Zechariah, these things will come true. They'll come to pass at their appointed time. So there's an appointed time, and we don't know the time because we're finite. We're not God. God knows the time. We don't. We just have to trust God who knows the time. And so even though the answer hasn't come, even though hope is deferred, even though hope is delayed, and we might feel tormented by this, we've got to continue to pray. In fact, I think we should step up our prayers. I think we should pray even more. I think we should build a base in which we, we pray every day that builds a base, but then occasionally we step up our prayer and we, we call on God fervently for whatever our, our prayer is. What do you think he was praying for? When, when the angel, when Gabriel told him, your prayers have been heard, or, or your prayer has been heard, I'm thinking, what prayer was heard? What was Zechariah praying? Well, could he have been praying for a son? Because the angel said, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. And I'm thinking, really? They were both very old. Remember that? And I'm sure they had prayed earlier when they were young. Because they didn't want to be cursed, as it were with not being able to have children. So I'm sure they had prayed as a young couple, as, even as a middle-aged couple. But now they're old. Could it be that Zechariah was still praying for a son? It kind of seems that way. The, the text seems to indicate that because he says, your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth is going to give birth to a son. I'm thinking, really, Zechariah? Wow, you go, Zechariah. I mean, you're old, but you're not dead. You know, so he was praying for a son. He was praying for the impossible. He's praying for a miracle. And God granted it to him. Don't be afraid to pray. And don't be afraid to pray for a miracle. Even if it seems like the time is past for the miracle. Even if it seems that the time is not right for a miracle. Believe God. Pray. When hope is deferred, don't give up praying. Pray more. And, and pray for a miracle. And then finally, we learn from Zechariah today you know, two, two good things, two positive things. But we also learn one thing not to do. All right, so when hope is deferred, obey God faithfully. When hope is deferred, pray to God fervently. And thirdly, when hope is deferred, believe God completely. Believe God completely. This is something Zechariah didn't do. Because in verse 18, we read that Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. So it's a little confusing because it seems that he prayed for that. Now, if he wasn't praying for a son, he certainly was praying for, for the Messiah to come. But the text seems to indicate that he had prayed for a son, was still praying for a son. And yet he says, he heard what he wanted to hear, but he says, well, I can't be sure. I need more evidence. That's what he's asking for. He's asking for more evidence. Do you remember when the angel appeared to Mary? And we find the story right after this one. We find the story of Gabriel appearing to Mary and telling her that she was to give birth to the Messiah. And Mary asked the question, how can this be? For I am still a virgin. You might say, well, wasn't she doubting? No, she believed that she wanted to know how is it going to come about because I haven't been with a man? She wanted to know how it was going to happen. Zechariah, on the other hand, wanted more proof that it was going to happen. 
He, he doubted and, and he said, how can I be sure of this? I need, I need more evidence because I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now, from a, from a human standpoint, that's actually a very good question. But when we pray, we're not praying from a human standpoint. When we pray, we're not limiting ourselves to a human standpoint. In fact, that's what prayer is, isn't it? Isn't prayer asking God to intervene? Isn't prayer opening up to God's power, not human limitations? Isn't prayer looking for divine intervention? Isn't prayer asking for the miraculous? I mean, if it's not miraculous, then don't pray for it. Just do it. If you can do it, just do it. But when we need the miraculous, that's what prayer is. And when the miraculous comes, don't doubt it. And so the angel didn't like this question. He didn't take too kindly to what Zechariah said and to the doubt that this question expressed. So his response was this. Verse 19 reads like this. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. So he's saying, look, you're talking to an angel and you're asking me, how can this be? I stand before God. I come from God to give you this message. And you're asking me for more evidence? And now he says, because you did not believe my words, you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. He, he dropped the ball. But God was still faithful to him. Now, you know, we might say that if an angel appeared to me, I wouldn't be shocked. I'll believe it. If an angel appears to me with the answer to my prayer, then I'll believe it. I'll, I'll receive it. I'll accept it. I, I won't be like Zechariah. I'll trust. I won't ask him. I need more proof. I need more evidence. And yet, we don't always accept God at His word when we read the Bible. It's possible that there are portions of the Bible that we don't practice because either we don't quite believe them or maybe we don't understand them or maybe, maybe we just don't accept them because they conflict with my beliefs or they, they conflict with my lifestyle. And so I don't even want to deal with it. I just won't practice that. I won't believe that. You know, it's time to drop all excuses and simply believe God, believe Him completely. Read the Bible, read His Word, trust that it's true, put it into practice. Don't give any excuses by why this can't be true anymore. Well, that was back for Bible days, but, but now it's different. Just learn to read and study and obey God's Word. When hope is deferred, just believe God. Believe God completely. Whatever you read in the Scriptures, let it strengthen you. Whatever you read in the Scriptures, let it bring life to you. Let it energize your life. Believe God. Take God at His Word. Well, I told you that this series title is based on the lyrics of O Holy Night. And, and I want to show you another line from that same song. There's a line that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. The word pining is, is, an, is an old word. We don't use it much anymore. But the word pining means hoping, longing, desiring. And so here we are in the midst of a sinful world in a human body in which we make so many mistakes. There's so much we don't understand. We sin. We don't want to, but we're human. 
And we're pining, we're longing, we're desiring, we're, we're hoping, we're hoping for something better. And that better only comes through Jesus. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. This is man's condition without God. Pining for something better. Longing, hoping, hoping for something to come and to set us free from sin. Set us free from our sin-filled life and, and set us free from our despair. But that only happens through Jesus. So today, let me challenge you that you would determine as, as we live our lives. And we all long for something. We all long for something, something better, something beyond us, someone beyond us. And that someone is, is Jesus. And, and today, as you consider your lives, let me encourage you, look to Jesus. This Christmas, look to Jesus, build your hope on Jesus. And as you live out this hope, when it's deferred, and it's going to be deferred, at one time or another, it's going to be deferred. When it's deferred, you just... Keep moving forward. You just keep trusting God. You just you remain faithful to God. Just serve Him. Obey Him. When hope is, is deferred, you just pray. Just pray fervently. When hope is deferred, you just believe. Believe God's Word. Take Him at His Word. Because God who calls us is faithful. Hope deferred is not the same thing as hope denied. Hope deferred Hope delayed is not the same thing as hope denied. God is faithful. And our job is to just wait on Him. Call on Him. Trust Him. Serve Him. And we'll see the miracles. I'm not going to say you're going to have a child in your old age like Zechariah and Elizabeth. But you'll see the miracles. You'll see the answer to your prayer. Your prayer will be heard. Because God is faithful.